Greeting, valued poll listeners, and welcome to episode 88 of the Polis Podcast, a bi-weekly show about comics, pop culture, and faith. We back, baby! My name is Chris Poirier, and with me, as always, is the one, the only, just recently came back from a comic book convention. Yes, we do have those, uh, and we're going to talk about that a little later, but Hector, how the heck are you? You you survived your summer um Whatever it is we do here, a break, sabbatical, rest. <laughs> yeah, that's not what I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the rest of it. Did you just say, excuse you, I work for a living? Fine. No, no, no. It's just, the two months we're not recording are two of the busiest month of my life. And that's I'm you know, grateful we do have a break because yes. otherwise <laughs> I'm trying to record this in like the bathroom of a convention center. Um, Coming up next, the Polis podcast, Bathroom Confessionals. Wait. What? No, that can't be right. Also, baby, don't hate it. Um, <laughs> I'm good. Like this is this weekend is my last like crunk like balls to the wall <laughs> weekend. I haven't said crunk in a good five years. Well, um, here we are. Here we are. Uh, I've just got to finish a big wedding today and tomorrow, and uh, then I've got a con. I do have cons like the next two weeks, but it's not like, oh, no, I'm pulling my hair out for these shows. So, Understood. Well, I mean, we're back. We've got lots of comic books to talk about. So uh, I guess that means that we've got to do the thing. So strap yourselves in and prepare yourselves for we've got comic sign. Uh, better put the word out. Can't wait for the nerd out. Better put specs on. Better bring next song. Checks for my expansion sets. They call me Obi Wan. Act like you know me, son. On today's episode of the Polis, we've got a wonderful show for you. We're gonna hit the latest news, or at least stuff that kind of happened over the summer. Something happened, I think. Um, our poll recommendations from the past. Well, you know, since we've been here last, and our fave new number ones. Mine is actually from this week, so. And you know, so much more. This is the Polis Podcast. So, wandering into my high-tech newsroom that is my desk in my closet here with nerdy stuff on the walls. Uh, stuff happened. Lots of stuff happened. San Diego Comic-Con happened, but nothing happened because there was no Hall H. There was basically proving that San Diego, two things, sorry. I didn't write this down, but I'm saying it anyway. Two things happened. A, nothing media happened at uh, San Diego Comic-Con because of uh, the all the striking that's going on and all that stuff. Uh, no Hall H. Of course, the interesting thing there is Marvel didn't plan on doing a Hall H anyway, but that kind of got buried in the news cycle. And that's an interesting point that we can kind of talk here in a second. But so, yes. There was a strike, but Marvel was kind of intending not really going deep in Hall H this year anyway, because frankly, they didn't have anything to show and they knew it. They looked at what happened last year where they literally announced 26 projects, I believe was the timeline, and that they were going to be late on over half of those now. So they were like, maybe we'll talk about the next Avengers movie. Maybe we won't. And that was the end of their list. Um, but Everyone freaked out and went, oh, my goodness, San Diego Comic-Con's going to sink because there's no famous people there. And then all the comic book people showed up and there was a heck of a comic book convention. And everyone's like, wow, San Diego 
Comic-Con actually was a Comic-Con and it was kind of great. So that little thing just kind of warmed my little comic book retail heart because half of the world was like doom saying that that was going to that not having true quote unquote television and movie media out there was going to destroy us. And then all the nerds showed up anyway, because comic books are where we get the ability to do all that other cool stuff. And all the nerds also showed up because they had to buy their tickets far in advance and couldn't <laughs> take them back. Sure. But <laughs> comic books, I mean, the people that actually set up there said like their tables were actually pretty great and stuff like that. So it's, it's interesting because some people worried that the pop culture con media con was going to eventually kill the comic convention. And I don't think we're quite there yet. So that's kind of cool. Um, we'll see. Um, lots of shows going on over the summer, but you just were at a pretty big one. So all that's going on. But let's talk about some of the other stuff. And then you can tell us about the joy and wonder that is Galaxy Con and what has become of the space that I used to occupy, but is now occupied by a gigantic convention that seems to be crushing it. Um, but San Diego news. Um, the only thing I really want to talk about out of San Diego um, is apparently we've been <laughs> sitting here for most of this year going, huh, where's Donnie Kate? And maybe you didn't. Maybe it was just us nerds that realized that Donnie was writing half of the books at Marvel and then suddenly he wasn't. Um, apparently there's a reason for that. And it's because Donnie got in a serious car accident months ago, months and months ago, and was apparently in the hospital in rehab, um, all kinds of nasty stuff. And Marvel just kind of silently pulled him off from projects while he was recovering and everything. And it wasn't until somebody saw Donnie's scarred up self at San Diego and Donnie's like, yeah, I tried to almost die that people were like, wait, what? So if it's felt like Donnie just like disappeared in the middle of some of the stuff he was writing and some of the rumors of stuff he was going to write, it's because he almost died. And I shouldn't laugh there because that's crazy, but that's kind of his attitude. He's like, yeah, I almost died, but I'm okay now. Thanks for asking. He literally was like, yeah, all of you just assumed really nasty things about me being lazy and other things. And <laughs> I was trying not to die. And I was like, um, no. Okay. Uh, forgive this if this is in poor taste, because I don't intentionally mean it to be in poor taste. But there we this go. The dude who uh, tried to restart Daredevil by hitting him with a bus. I mean, <laughs> oops. <laughs> is this is this his origin story? Is this a... the Donny Cates vigilante origin story? Uh, I feel like some his actual original origin story would probably be a while ago because. He's kind of an interesting dude. Um, like most people assume he's like the punk rock, all the things, but he once upon a time, I believe had some issues with alcohol and like he stopped drinking because physically and medically and all that other stuff. Like when I met him five plus years ago, when he was coming on the scene, like he went from hardcore party to Nope, <laughs> kind of good. <laughs> um, he, he does a lot of other stuff, I guess, but he, he maintains his punk rock attitude. But that's why some people are like, oh, well, you just went and did the thing. And he's like, nope, just kind of tried to get run over by a tractor trailer truck, quite literally. 
Um, but he's good. He's got some scars, but apparently he's on the mend. And he basically was saying, keep an eye out. Stuff's coming. Uh, so you weren't crazy if it felt like Donnie just fell off the f- face of the planet because he kind of did. Nice. So interestingly enough, um, other stuff. Diamond uh, used their retailer time at San Diego to kind of put an update out to the entire community and world about their world and their world is continuing to shrink massively. Um, The list now stands at Marvel, DC image, IDW and dark horse are all with either lunar or, or penguin now as a secondary or primary distributor. So diamonds, struggling they have been trying to figure out a lot of their things their shipping costs have been through the roof they finally renegotiated those and brought them down to a point that's actually competitive novel concept um it's still not great but it's at least more in line with what's going on they're still trying to figure out their boxing and everything of course all the companies are because you put you know these paper thingies into a cardboard box and have a shipper throw them around bad stuff happens um unfortunately more so rather than not with diamond and some of the others they've also been tweaking a lot of their software tools like pull pull box which you almost never hear about but i'm actually going to talk about in our next story um and they've been trying to just make some things easier for their integrations and everything for their customers but the bottom line is diamond's influence continues to shrink and lunar and Penguin have just been cranking stuff out that most of the bigs and even most of the indies are now starting to pull their stuff there that I don't know what the long term looks for Diamond. I don't know what they look like financially, but it's got to hurt that the big two aren't doing the volume that they used to through their warehouses because that's what was paying the bills. Um, Diamond's still kicking. And I'm sure we'll find some reason to blame them for something probably in the next three weeks. I don't know anything. I just feel like that's just how life is for Diamond. <laughs> it do be like that. It do be like that. So I had mixed feelings about talking about this, but then I watched the video and I heard why he's doing this. And I'm like, that's an interesting point. But I'm going to talk about mail order and digital subscriptions through the lens of Kevin Smith in the secret stash wants to be your local comic book store if you don't have one. And so that's right. True believers. Kevin Smith in the secret stash has decided to extend their regular pull list program to online folks and they will ship and mail your stuff. And Kevin, basically, he's got a wonderful video. If you go find the thing where he's like, hey, you don't have a store dope. We'd love to be that guy. So they're trying to be Midtown. I don't. Well, yes, but no, because technically, to be fair, a ton of comic book stores do this. Um, There are big ones in it. And looking through because I was like, okay, well, I'm curious, A, if they're using any particular software to do this, because there are a few options out there. Um, How are they doing this? And Kevin's probably going to learn that his fan base is way bigger than he gives credit to himself. And I'm curious when he's, when they're going to get overloaded. Um, Because right now, step one is to call the shop to sign up. (laughs) And I'm like, 
<laughs> Ooh. I mean, I've, I've been in their new shop. It's not massive, dude. Well, that's like, why I say I was like, it's it's a cool. I, I dig Kevin's heart for not Kevin Hart, but Kevin's heart. Um, dude, it's not much bigger than the Dragon's Lair in Fayetteville. No, I know. It's it's a solid local comic shop and I still need to make my pilgrimage. I've still never been and I feel like a bad person for it. Just make sure when you go, you actually go down to the original spot. It's only on, it's on the same block. It's on the same block. I remember that they moved over a few storefronts. Um, but they're using, um, diamonds pull box. So there it is connected to the stories. You're welcome. So he's keeping diamond alive. Yep. Maybe sort of that's software that basically allows you to log in. You can literally go through an FOC. It, <laughs> the reason diamond did it is that you can make your customers do FOC for you. <laughs> uh, also, and I know this isn't, you know, just since we're on the Kevin front, uh, I may have you and I may have talked about it, but that since our break, uh, he announced that he is no longer on drugs. Yes, we did just talk about it just before break. Yeah, yeah. He made that thing and he's on a huge health kick because he realized that if he isn't, he could die. And he also dealt a lot with his mental health and everything. Yeah, no, all of it was tied together. And he wrote a bunch of really kind of heartfelt posts. He's still Kevin Smith. Watch some videos of him recently speaking. You'll find out that it's still him. <laughs> it's still him. <laughs> and, but dude, I told we said this, and I think it's on the pull list. If you go back a few years, the drugs were one of the main things keeping him from being the next Stan. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we did talk about that. We did say that that out of everybody that's in the comics industry and pop culture, Kevin stands poised to be the next Stan Lee more than anybody else. And I think that's where Kevin's heart is coming from. This is it's not a new concept. And he's even saying he's like, go to your local store. But if you don't have one, then here's a way you can keep getting physical comics um, and supporting a local shop and getting to read the things that comic book people put a lot of their lives into to create. So that's why I wanted to talk about it. That if you don't have a shop, we get this question a lot is which online ones do you trust? And we don't know yet here, but the stash is throwing their hat into the ring that, yeah, there's midtowns. There's things uh, from another world and on and on and on. Before I had a shop, I trusted I went to midtown. Mm-hmm. Same. So. I use things from another world a fair amount, too. Um, I also bought lots of them from Amazon on Kindle. So How dare you? Uh, that was pre-pandemic, and I swear... I want to go back to that <laughs> just for the gas. So you can, space. there you go. You can check it. You can check it all out though. If you go to the secret sash, they actually have a reservist tab and you can see the video I'm talking about and they're doing a 15% discount. So they are discounting um, all that. And that comes from basically by not having to do FOC, you're getting to get stuff that they know are going to go are guaranteed to go out the door to individuals. So that's where a lot of shops will basically pass the discount through. So it's a thing. We pass the savings onto you, onto you and also to you <laughs> and you and you. This just got Episcopalian. Yeah, a little bit. And also with you. So that's my news, but I wanted Hector to talk about some of his time uh, on the con floor doing his con thing because we've been out for a little bit, but Hey, we're, we're on a podcast and we're on a clock here, but <laughs> and we actually have some comic books to talk about. Um, 
oh my god we do have comic books but yeah tell us a little bit about the show floor and and hector doing con things because chris is just lonely sitting in his office not doing cons okay first of all shut your dirty mouth you've been like you've been like running uh columbus got game with like gaming tournaments like every other day you've been running a street hockey and getting coolers dumped on you and yeah uh, i did sports things it's weird you did sports things and you ran like street hockey and you whistled and you yeah play- whistle whistle <laughs> uh you've been doing plenty dude um uh on the comic con industry floor thing um first of all i went to the marvel exhibit um, oh, I was definitely jealous about that. I, I should have gone this year. You still got time. Two heroes, but it's open till September. Is it still in Charlotte? Hmm. Yeah, hmm. you got until September, um, and I would highly recommend it. Um, for those of you who are big comic heads, like like paper comics matter to you, you get to see original pages from the first Marvel issue, from cool. the first Fantastic Four issue. You get to see the actual pages. Um, there's big statues. There's uh, little places for you to take your photos with. Though, when you go through the line and they tell you the rules <laughs> of what to do and everything, there was one rule. Do you know what the one rule is? Hmm. And you saw all the stuff I took. I posted pictures of and everything. So yeah. what, what do you think the one rule would be? T- take pictures? Literally, dude, the one rule. And I heard this, this wasn't just one group. I heard it through several uh, introductory things. The one rule is don't kiss Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Because he's hanging upside down. Right, right, and I right. Guess it's because he's suspended yep. from the ceiling um, and germs. I don't know. But literally, like, the I'll one rule above. is please don't kiss Spider-Man. <laughs> like, <laughs> you can straight, like, sit in Ben Grimm's lap. They don't care about that. But they're like, don't kiss Spider-Man. Um, <laughs> but past that, I meant I had some of my I had my two biggest shows in our break. Um, Heroes Con and Galaxy Con. Um, Heroes Con is still is and probably always will be one of the most comics purest shows. It's a good show. Yeah. Um, them know. in them in Baltimore come very close, and I guess I kind of lean towards Heroes because of my North Carolina adoptive home, etc. But those are the two comic shows right and apparently san diego's trying um <laughs> they only try when people don't show up <laughs> i mean isn't that most church culture anyway e- <sighs> um, contemporary services <laughs> at 11 what um what no one showed up we need a kids ministry um <laughs> oh, no. uh you know let's do a movie series as I'm in the middle of a movie series in the um, summer, no less yep. in the summer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but whatever. Um, yep. <laughs> and galaxy con, uh, is too big now. I mean, I've, it's, I heard a few people say this, so, um, it was, it was a very contemptuous and, uh, palpably tense situation. Ooh. Um, like it was yeah. ugly. Um, and I'm not saying this to poop on the show, the show, yeah, yeah. the show, on a success scale was better for me this year than last year. Okay. Um, financially, spiritually, all of the things, it was a better show experience in some ways. But f- since 2016 ish, 17, when it was Supercon, yes. um, in the before times, in the before times, uh, which by the way, good omen season two, 
hilarious. Yeah, I got to uh, get to that still. When I'm it behind. when it uh it just came out yesterday. Um, but they covered the beginning. Hilarious. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, Galaxy Con since before for like as long as it existed for this season has always been all the vendors and artists and celebrities and food trucks are and big visual displays are all on the same floor mm-hmm. all on the main show floor um around april we got an email and if you know how we people are about reading emails um <laughs> around april we got an email saying hey we're moving everything like specifically the artist got one saying you're going four floors up to a ballroom <laughs> thanks for coming out but bye um, and so not everybody read the email or if they read the email it was like um you know they were tense because you can't get your money back per se with that um right because you know they've got enough contractual things in there to say we can move you um and it'd be right. legal legal but not cool boo um, boo this man uh but you know there were artists that were very angry that they were sure. up there um i mean and- you know this as well as anyone else that part of the gamble against a good artist alley at any show is am i going to be near somebody bigger than me yeah cuz their line is going to go oh what's that or they're going to be forced to stare at you <laughs> while well, they stand in their line my my most successful financial show ever um not on reach but on sales was when my booth was at the exit of photo ops. Right. Yep. When people got their celebrity photos and they walked out and they were so pumped, you know, tell me they just yeah. like got a side hug from Nathan Villian. Um, but I mean, I'd be excited. Um, yeah. but okay. like we're literally four floors up and I had maybe a dozen friends that went to the show left and never saw my booth cause they were still looking downstairs, even though I put a map out. Um, cause you don't read your social media either. We just don't read nerds. You know, we should do better. Um, but do better. read more comics. The reality is, though, uh, they moved the comic, the artists upstairs. They moved the Star Wars big exhibits across to the Marriott Convention Center. E. And then they moved the board gaming stuff across the street and down a block to the Sheridan. I mean, we're used to that. Yeah, that that's where my people live. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like reality is it was still sold out every day um yeah it looked crazy i sold out of two different books let's go uh uh, which sucks for all the shows that are immediately following um i'm trying to get those in time and i'm got candles burning right now trying to make new candles um but it was a good experience and like ministry wise it's as good as i could hope for um the discussion panel was good. It wasn't just believers. Um, no, it looked then, packed. It was packed. And um, uh, Geek Church literally had people watching through the glass because they couldn't fit in in their costumes with all the people. <laughs> nice. Um, and uh, there's a kid at the end of Geek Church who just asked if he could have a hug. And I mean, it was just Aww. like, there was good stuff um, all around. And like, I didn't care if my sales were terrible or anything, as long as I still got to do ministry. Um, but my sales weren't terrible. It might've been annoying for a, a minute, but just for the new locations and I had to take three different elevators to get to my floor um, because none of them connect. But 
it was it was a great experience and that's the problem in you know if you do you want things to grow or do you want to be happy with what you've had and because if this is going to continue to grow we've got to like actually deal with it. it's not going to be convenient for everyone mm-hmm. and that's just kind of where it was but it was it was a solid experience but it also makes me very happy for small shows um because i don't want to do massive four day 13 hour days every day yeah some people have always asked me in running shows like even running what we did which is now smaller than what galaxy has become in the same space that was a long weekend and even running a 10 to 15,000 person a day show is a lot running a 5,000 person a day show is a lot because no matter what you do, the space has to be occupied. The space gets bigger and smaller, but you've got vendors and people that you need to keep happy. And you basically showrunners don't sleep. <laughs> no. And they were, uh, I, I was moderately frustrated like the first night with just how communication had gone. Mm. Um, and I was going to try and have a real polite conversation with the guy who booked sales for the show um, and express my concerns. Before I could get to him, another angry vendor like chewed him out for all of his worth. And he stood there very peaceably, Ted Lasso, like taking it. <laughs> and um, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Uh, and so I just walked. I was like, you're doing a good job. <laughs> like, never mind, bro. You, you keep doing your thing. Because literally they're the artists that, uh, that get their two hours before the show opens to get everything set are there 13 full hours because they extended artist alley by an hour. Ooh. So it literally, I got there at 8am. It ended at 9pm too long and four days of that. No, too long. <laughs> it, it's, it's interesting because the tabletop industry, I feel like figured this out where the comic book industry is like, we'll be open longer. And I was like, what? Cause same thing. Like heroes con was right on the edge. I feel like they're actually about right. Um, but like Gen Con, so gigantic tabletop um, and convention. LTN has what twenty two missionaries, and there's at this show. So that, but also, I believe unless they've changed things, the show floor closes like at five or six. Like it's pretty early. Yeah, I saw that. Then lots of stuff happens afterwards, but it's all off site. And the main reason they do that is for the poor people on that show floor to either be able to go do the other things that occur throughout the rest of the evening or for them to do things in different environments. And I was like, after experiencing that, I was like, I don't hate it Mm -mm. because the show floor opens pretty early, but you can like get a solid day in. You don't feel super overwhelmed. And then you can either take the night off if you're if you need to completely decompress or you can fill it with other types of stuff or just playing. And I've always kind of looked at that and went, yeah, some comic shows, I feel like we're trying to just jam sell time in. And honestly, there's probably about three of those hours that just aren't worth it because people get burned out at some point of just walking tables and doing stuff. And especially if they're going to be there for three to four days, they'll get to it later. You don't need to do 12 plus hours of a show floor for to keep everybody happy. You're not keeping people happy. You're upset. You're probably upsetting them. Um, the con can have stuff going on 24 hours a day. I don't care, but give people on the floor a break. You know, I know the things, you know, the things because you've been, you've been there. So yeah, no, that's cool. Um, cons are back baby. And 
I guess that's what you need to know from us, at least for now. I know that was like a long summer and it felt like no news, but well, guess what? Comics are weird. Um, and with media kind of taking it in the pants, uh, a lot of companies did not fall back on the thing that makes them money um, to develop anything new. So such a luck. Um, we'll keep an eye on the industry for you as always. And as always as well, you can join Hector and I and all of your other nerdy friends over on the Love Thy Nerd Discord. Hector does actually show up there occasionally. He's getting better. We're proud of him. Uh, but you can also catch us on the Facebook just at me. community of Love Thy Nerd. Just, just, just directly at him and he'll show up. It'll be fine. Uh, but tell us what you liked, what you didn't, what you hated, what you loved, or possibly what we missed. We probably missed a lot. So just going to tell you now. We missed a lot. Stuff happens. Hector goes to cons. I apparently run street hockey leagues. That's that's my summer. That's what I do here. You are listening to the Pull List Podcast with Chris Poirier and Hector Mira. Hey everyone, I'm Radio Matt, and this is Reviews of the Nerds. As the Flash movie has found a new life on video on demand, and greater success too, it's time to dive into this controversial movie and see if it's really as good or bad as people say it is. First, let's talk about Ezra Miller. The controversies surrounding his personal life and failings will not be a factor in today's review, just the movie itself. While Miller was never my first choice for Barry Allen, he does a good job as both the leading and supporting role, even if his brand of nervous Willy Wonka meets a self-deprecating Jack Sparrow persona can be grating at times. The movie pokes fun at this by having him even annoy himself on occasion. Now, this movie tells the story of Flashpoint, but a really watered-down version of it, and it didn't even feature the reverse Flash, who is supposed to be a key factor in the storyline. But the inclusion of Keaton's Batman and a brand new Supergirl, as well as revisiting where the DCEU all started with the arrival of Zod, gave this movie a much bigger feel. Keaton was the highlight of the movie for me, hit all the right nostalgia buttons while still feeling like a new story. This movie suffered from too much hype, hearing all these big names who got to see it early saying, it's the greatest superhero movie of all time, ultimately made many leave the theater disappointed. But really, aside from some less than stellar CGI, the movie was actually one of the better ones to come out of the DCEU and had a lot of heart. The climax was well told, the scene with his mother at the end was heartbreaking, and the final moments were fun, even if it felt like a throwaway joke. It's hard to forgive the lack of a Grant Gustin cameo, even just a CGI one in the big Chronobowl montage would have done, but in the end, if you don't go into it thinking, this is going to be the best superhero movie ever, and uh, if you're a fan of the Snyderverse, you'll likely enjoy this movie. But if Henry Cavill's weird CGI lip still gives you nightmares, well, this will be more of the same. Overall, I enjoyed it, and will watch it again in the near future. You can catch it on video on demand right now on Amazon, and you'll find it on DVD and Blu-ray on August 29th. I've been Radio Matt. This has been the Reviews of the Nerds. And remember, if you want to get nuts, just get nuts. You are listening to the Pull List Podcast with Chris Poirier and Hector Mira. Moving right along, let's talk about the main event, the comic books. Bedazzle me with what 
was truly amazing to you over the last couple months. Yeah. FUD. All right. So uh, Nightwing 105. Mm-hmm. Surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is like a surprise. And this is one that you're going to want to pick up. Uh, if you are a fan of a different property, this is the uh, legal, not legal, uh, first canon appearance of the cast of The Office huh. in a DC book. Like the whole shooting match is up in this piece. Um, first of all, 105 is a great issue because it actually uh, is done in first person. So the whole issue is, dude, you're going to want to pick this one up. It's a kind of a masterpiece. Hmm. Um, so like the issue literally starts with Nightwing putting on his mask and you see the hands putting it on. Yeah. Um, and then uh, so the whole thing is first person. Hmm. And at one point in time uh, to save a lady, you crash into an office building. <laughs> An office. <laughs> and I know you won't be able to see it with like my camera per se, but if you look right here, you've got like Dwight. Yep. Um, and it literally you see Jim, Ryan, Pam, like yep. everybody. So in just this two panel spread, because it's only it's the um it's the middle splash that goes through those two. But like it's you get, everybody. Uh, it's everybody. So uh in this one panel, I see Creed. Phyllis, Jim, Kelly, Dwight, Meredith, Angela, uh, Stanley, Kevin, uh, Michael, Karen, Ryan, and uh, Daryl. So you get the bulk of the entire office cast, and they just work them into this two-page spread. Now, Beautiful. This this was an outstanding office, or, or not office, this was an outstanding Nightwing issue on its own. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because of the first person vibe, it really was extremely creative. I'm not going to say it's on the whole level of uh, beautiful or fearful symmetry, but uh, visually and storytelling, this is one of the best DC books in the last five, 10 years, just because of how they pulled off the first person perspective with it. It's worth it. So there's that noise. Thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, and this is going to be the one nice thing I say about uh, Night Terrors so far. <laughs> um, and the Joker, I've, you know, most of these stories are only going to be two issues. So that's good um, in its own self. But like my uh, shop has been putting, if you were reading the main books on your pulls, they just went to put, put all the Night Terrors on your pulls that link up. But uh, Joker's, uh, if you're not aware, there's a villain called Insomnia that is uh, looking for the Nightmare Stone from like Dr. Destiny from like Sandman. Sure. Checks out. Look, Dr. D, John D. Yeah. Um, but they tied it into Sandman as well. And so they're just like there's a dream stone that Dream has. There's also a Nightmare Stone and he's looking for that. And uh, so the the books start out with them killing John D or wounding John D or something like that. Um, but everybody that's not a robot or some weird sentient entity falls asleep at the same time and goes into a nightmare world. Okay. That's the whole plot of night terrors. Everybody's in a nightmare at once. And this dude's like, 
you know, bouncing around people's nightmares, looking for this nightmare stone. Um, the Joker's nightmare is that he has to work a day job in an office. <laughs> yeah, that checks out. <laughs> um, but literally the Joker, and this is, this is issue one. I'm going to reference uh, there. He's having a rooftop battle with Batman, like classic Jokery things. And Batman literally slips on the roof and uh, breaks his neck and dies. Nobody hit him. Nobody tricked him. It wasn't a gag. Um, he literally trips, breaks his neck, and dies. And the Joker's just standing there like, what? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> and then, because it's raining, his body starts to slide off the roof. And they're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and uh, so, with that, he just ends up getting a day job. Because he doesn't know what to do. And then he drives himself so crazy with that um, that he starts taking or he keeps Batman's dead body in his like curio cabinet in his living room um, because he doesn't know what to do next. And so he'll take the costume off the body and start running around and being Batman himself because Gotham needs a Batman. (laughs) And so in his sleepy time, he puts on Batman's costume and runs around and he's like trying to figure out one liners and quips and that Batman would say, and he's trying to do Batman stuff. So if you want to see a Joker literally on the end of his rope without Batman, it's just a nightmare. And it was one of, it was the most intriguing one out of the whole nightmare or night terrors thing that I've read. So, I mean, how's that? I have not spent a dollar on Night Terror because whenever I see brand wide events like that, I go, my wallet says no. So I wait for people like you to tell me what to read. So thank you. That one's solid. I I would say that's probably I've heard that from other people. Yeah. Um, uh, also going to jump right back to uh, Superman number five, uh, the pickup of. And this is Jimmy Olsen and Silver Banshee's story. Mm. And but then it goes deeper than that. And I'll just say Jimmy Olsen and Silver Banshee together, Chef's Kiss. Just well done. <laughs> so that's the that's um, that's the ship. We're good. Yep. Okay. Uh that's it's a good ship. Um, it works well. Um and I I without knowing it dealt with this, I had posted a thing on LTN's community uh asking about Superman and his ability to hear music of like can he hear heartbeats on recorded music um or what's it like for him to hear like live music and it's literally in this issue it gets covered um but uh they also take a dramatic turn with lex this is continuing to be probably the best superman story i've read in a hot minute um so and it leaves you on a solid comic book cliffhanger so check that out uh daredevil 13 Mm-hmm. For legal reasons, had to put this one on here um, <laughs> for contractual, non-contractual agreements. Yes, for contractual, there are two ministerial people hosting a podcast. And yeah, Daredevil. Spo- spoiler alert: Matt Murdock goes to hell. Yeah, um, Matt Murdock goes to the not good place. Um, <laughs> the not good place, right? Yes. Um, so the literally issue twelve ends with. Uh, Matt Murdock deciding to go into uh, the underworld. I feel like you kind of undersold how that decision came about, but fair enough. I'm trying to be nice <laughs> and spoilery. 
um not spoilery uh but the literally the the story picks up with daredevil finds out that he's been played the whole time with the fist and the hand and he was doing stupid things which der um and so and so he literally has to go into the depths of hell to uh kind of do some cleanup work and he's battling some demons figuratively and literally and people from his past like i dug this i just knew that hector was going to talk about yeah. it yeah and but uh, <laughs> you also get him in a white suit which is actually yeah. does kind of pop i do enjoy that um mm-hmm. so if you want to see someone <laughs> dealing with repentance literally fighting physical demons in hell and trying to save their friends and lots of jesus references merry christmas he faces his past like dead in the eyes like over and over again too yeah it's so it's a good culmination of a daredevil story and we start a new daredevil run next month um this we shall see this is the end of this run um so yay maybe we'll we'll see (laughs) well i saw the solicit for the new one um so i think this is the end of zadarsky's daredevil run and it was a it was a pretty good run. I got worried there in the middle, but again, when you put random events in the middle of a book, things get weird yep. anyway. Um, but I do feel like he complete like I think Zadarsky's entire point was redemption from the very beginning because he had Daredevil do something he would never do. Yeah. Um, and I think we end up there, and uh, there's lots of stuff there, so it's interesting. Oh, goodness. He might be smarter than we give him credit for, because now I'm starting to think about that in the full context of. Yeah. Huh. Lots of spoilers there, so maybe I'll save that one for us to unpack later. But if you think about it, he (laughs) the thing happened, he descended, redeemed and is going to ascend. Yeah, there it is. (laughs) <laughs> who is he that descended if also not him who ascended? Yeah, got it. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Zadarsky shows time and time again that he understands. I don't know if he believes, but he understands. So fascinating stuff. I'm really curious to see uh, where the next rider is going to take Daredevil. <laughs> I, I, I hope it stays like there's been years of pretty solid run. So I hope it stays dude. We're talking, uh, like I was looking back on my like Facebook memories and it's been almost six solid years mm-hmm. of Daredevil. We've runs. talked about Daredevil through two different writers and that both were great. Well, it was Sole, Sole mm-hmm. and then Zadarsky. Has it just been those two? Yep. Wow. Okay. Uh, I'm going to start with the kind of cool wonky book that my pull is almost the same as it was when we left. (laughs) Um, Interestingly enough, and it's because a couple things like wrapped up and a few things are like getting going, but uh, Arcade Kings still is kind of fun. And I think I understand the story a little better now that a few issues have come out, but it's kind of this weird future. Hey, I just like this art style is really kind of cool. It's like anime adjacent slash like eight bit arcade E type characters. And you've got like, there are all these different types of fighters, but arcades are everywhere. And at first I thought it was mostly about the games, but it's actually a both and. So it's, they're really good at the game, but they're also actually martial artists in real life. 
and there's a game battle going on and there's a real life battle going on. Um, and you're finding where all these familial connections are and who are friends of who and all this. So there's this backstory that's kind of unpacking and everything, but it's about being really good at fighting really and really good at fighting virtually, but it's a fun story, but I, it's just pretty. I say that a lot about books that I pick because art drives a lot for me. Um, but it's also just kind of been a fun story. So go ahead and take a look at Arcade Kings. You will find a very pretty book that has lots of colors in it, but kind of an interesting story that keeps unpacking there. Now we're going to get into Chris's indie run of What the Heck, <laughs> which probably should just become my segment of things that Hector will tell you what the soups are doing, and I'm going to sit over here and tell you what crazy people are doing. So Jeff Lemire's new joint, Tenement, I've read the first came two. out. So the, there's a few things. Gideon Falls and this series fall in the same universe. You would you kind of figure that out just looking at the art. Because I opened this book and went, Gideon Falls, got it. Uh, but if you read the editorial slash creator page at the end of the first issue, they explain everything. How many people read the wall of text at the end of a comic or the beginning of a comic? I'll help you. Not very many people. But if you pick up issue number one, you should, because they explain that when they wrote Gideon Falls, that they had envisioned a shared terror universe and that they want to tell their stories, but they want to tell them in blocks so that you can understand the lane of this story that you are currently in. So you now know that these stories are now connected. And as they put it, this is a form of terror that they are trying to explore and unpack. And so it's got a lot of very similar vibes to Gideon Falls in terms of in Gideon Falls. You kind of had that cockroach character that kind of like infected everybody's dreams. But then the Black Barn existed in this particular place. I think. Spoiler, non-spoiler, Tenement is showing you that this building is has a doorway to that same place but they're unpacking what that place actually is and what you get in this is a big old apartment building and you get introduced to a kid and six other participants that live in this building that all have different things in their lives going on and i don't know if you caught it hector but i would imagine you did that the thing that seems to combine them all is that they all have bad habits very obvious sins or other things that just generally make them less than great human beings. Which is why the overtones like sin or seven. Correct. There's all, there's always, yeah, got it. And so I found that interesting because they kind of show you slices of these people's lives as they go through the book and see where they're basically screwing up and the life that they're either lying about or not lying about. Um, and a dude dies and leaves a key to this kid. And this key basically bamfs or it appears to bamf the entire building into that other universe. We don't know whether that's what happened or if it is a literal portal, et cetera, but this makes my head hurt in all of the good ways because well, a, they keep doing this thing like they did in Gideon falls of splash pages that are just really wild and kind of are designed, I think to make you feel uncomfortable. <laughs> um, so I don't really know where they're going with the whole thing, but they seem to have a plan and I'm on board. 
because it is different. It's psychological horror versus much else that you're just kind of unpacking stuff. So super great. And also on the Jeff Lemire show, uh, Fandom Road continues to both make my head hurt and also not answer any of the questions. <laughs> um, so early on, we we get introduced to the truck driver who gets in the accident with the other person. They get bamfed into the parallel universe or what we think may be parallel. We don't really know with the zombie like characters, but they find out that those zombies in the real world are overlapping in some type of way. But there are certain points along their journey that can intersect the two um, and that they got to deliver this thing to Golgotha. Um, so Lemire's really been cracking his Bible lately to <laughs> do a lot of his his study by the looks of it. Um, but spoiler alert, they kind of figure out what the thing in the back of the truck is because they get irritated and try to bash it up and they find out that there's basically an alien baby living in it. Um, and in the latest episode slash issue here, you get introduced to an FBI agent that's been figuring some stuff out. She gets kidnapped and she gets interrogated and asked a bunch of questions about her father who she finds out is was an FBI agent and she didn't know. She's like, my dad wasn't in the FBI and they're like, cool story. Um, and introduces all of us to something called project jackknife. And we have no idea what that is. So now we have the FBI, um, secret stuff, the trucker trying to bring this thing, parallel universes back and forth thing. And our creepy dude from the not a Bucky's in the parallel universe, um, who kind of feels like the devil, but we don't know yet shows up in the real world this time, but at the FBI saying, get your people in line. That's where this story is currently. I still have no idea what's going on, but I want to know now because <laughs> aliens, parallel, non-parallel possible devil slash Satan foil. And the zombies in the not real world apparently are people in the real world and you probably shouldn't kill them. Got it? Good. <laughs> I don't know how Jeff does this. And he has a third book out in all this that didn't make my list. Um, which is just crazy to me, which is more like his kind of visceral stuff like underwater welder, like his new book out is just like over here somewhere. It was good, but had too much to talk about. Next, I have The Seasons Have Teeth. Have you read this one? No, I saw the title. That was a good title. Great. Um, it is four issues, one season per issue. So it'll come out collected soon. But the basic idea of this is about a photographer who was a uh, war journalist, photojournalist. So he traveled all over the world doing covering war and that type of stuff. But his wife gets cancer and he makes a, an agreement with his wife to photograph basically her descent and ultimately her death. And he wins a bunch of prizes for that. Um, because they're like, Oh, so shocking this, that, the other thing, so powerful, so moving. And basically this entire story is him unpacking, losing his wife to cancer, documenting it and getting personal gain from it. And what happens is you get introduced to the seasons and the seasons are the embodiment of these gigantic, basically kaiju slash monsters. Um, and 
each season is actually him walking through a season of grief. Like this is an allegory. It is very obvious it is as they unpack that because he describes the violence of summer, the heat and the penetrating that and the solace of fall and things like that. But it's this world that has fallen that physical embodiments, these kaiju of the seasons are terrorizing the world. And he travels to try to photograph them as a penance, basically hoping he'll be killed by these things for what he's done. But at the same time, it slowly unpacks his grief through the seasons of what he did and telling the story of his wife. Cause you don't get it all up front. You just know that she died of cancer and you find out as the story goes. Um, I did not expect this to be what it was. And when you really start unpacking what is happening here, it's really deep because you realize that you could just read this and it's an interesting story, but that there is layer upon layer upon layer of what's actually being communicated. Um, and you kind of get to the end and get the aha moment of it all. You are listening to the Polis Podcast with Chris Poirier and Hector Mira. Hey fam, this is Hector Mirai, and you're listening to Faith and Fandom 180 on LTN Radio. So I just finished up a big four-day Comic-Con, and in the process of the show, there was some big tension uh, with the people that are in Artist Alley, because um, effectively, all the artists had been taken off of the big show floor where everybody mainly goes for the show and been placed four floors up in a ballroom, which was like about physically as far away from all the main action as you could be. And, you know, it was done like two months from the show. And a lot of people didn't even read the email that got the information. So, you know, when we were setting up on Thursday, there was a lot of tension in the room. A lot of people were uh, real agitated and, and tempers were high and people were a little yelly at some points. And I admit, I also had a lot of uh, trepidation about this, um, but I tried my best to have a good attitude. Didn't always work, but I did try. But crazy enough, at the end of the show, I think almost everybody in that space did better this year in that spot than they did on the show floor surrounded by everyone else and you know most of their arguments and frustration were because they thought they were unjustly put in the wrong seat instead of being where they thought they deserved and it kind of worked out better and jesus makes a mention of this in luke 14 8 through 11 says this when you're invited to a wedding feast don't sit in the seat of honor what if someone who is more distinguished than you have also been invited? The host will come and say, give this person your seat. Then you'll be embarrassed and you will have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. Instead, take the lowest place at the foot of the table. Then when your host sees you, he will come and say, friend, we have a better place for you. Then you'll be honored in front of all the other guests. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And, you know, there are some artists in this uh, event that felt pretty humbled and because they were <laughs> trying to be on the big show and felt that being put far away was kind of a knock. But I think sometimes we're trying too hard to praise ourselves. And if we are willing to 
take a step back, we'll see that God's taking care of us. If you'd like to learn more about Faith and Fandom, head on over to faithandfandom.org where you can learn about our Comic-Con ministry, podcast, memes, apparel, and book series. You can even read new chapters before they make it to the next book. I'm Hector Mirai, and thank you for spending the last 180 seconds with me. You are listening to The Pull List Podcast with Chris Poirier and Hector Mirai. Those are my cray-cray books. And I'll hit the my number one off the top because I've already told this story, but it came out. I mentioned a free comic book uh, day book uh, a few episodes ago, but the sac- Rick Remender's The Sacrificer's full book came out. Yeah. And A, gorgeous, um, but B, this high fantasy world, you're introduced, you don't get a lot more than what we got in the free comic book day book, but basically that each family has to like, sacrifice or give up a child every so often to fight in this great war type thing so everyone can be safe um and you're introduced to basically one of the they're called sacrificers so there you go um you get introduced to the main character that is going to go on this journey in this point so it's it's kind of wild we don't know what the great war is or what it's over or anything you just kind of got this really visceral image of a kid being taken from his family because that's what he was literally born to do. Um, so I, I think there's going to be a lot there, but it's sitting in a high fantasy type world. Where'd you end up? I saw where you ended up, but I didn't find a copy of it. So I want to, um, I'm just going to go ahead and show both one and two, uh, click, click, boom. Mm. Um, so, uh, picture a punk rock pixie, uh <laughs> investigating a murder where also another journalist uh lawyer person is investigating a murder but the short version is there is a young lady who's cool and eclectic but is nonverbal doesn't know sign language and so she c- communicates with polaroids and so she has a bag of polaroids from her past from her dad on up who raised her, who is also a war trauma survivor. Um, and they're trying to hunt down a bad man and the whole John wick style world is after them. So John wick action, cute girl with pink hair, Polaroids, bananas, storytelling. It's fun. (laughs) That's crazy. Um, but yeah, it's just like, I read the first two issues. I was like, I would read 12 of this. Um, and it's solid as well. So nice. Well, we wanted to give you all a gift uh, for our first episode back, or we're calling it a gift. Maybe it's a gift to Todd and Todd alone, but maybe it'll bless the rest of you as well. And that Todd, uh, one of our other, you know, um, I almost said co-host, and maybe that's fair. He's almost attained the level. He's a co-host but our, 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 our honorary co-host. Uh, Todd uh, reads way more books than we do at times. And he kind of developed a summer reading list and Hector's got the high points for y'all. So Todd, thanks for being a constant listener and for filling in for me when I get too busy doing things. Um, So tell the people what they should be reading. So I asked Todd to give me his top 10 individual books of the summer. Um, Two of them were in our pools. Okay, nice. Uh, Daredevil 13. Yeah. And click, click, boom. Really? Nightwing wasn't? Nope. 
Um, so uh, something epic number three. Okay. Uh, yep. Uh, just it's a good book. He said uh, the Usagi Ninja Turtles uh, number five. Great cl- crossover. A uh, clobbering time number two, um, which is a thing. Many uh, said that uh, you know it's just the Wolverine and thing going at it was good. Uh, click click boom was there. Um, da-da. Batman one thirty six. And he says again, I know why, but I forgot why. I need to revisit that. Um, Wonder Woman eight hundred, not for the front story, but for the John and Damien grown up in the back mini. That's in the mm-hmm. back of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Void Rivals number one, uh, which is uh Void was interesting. It almost made my list. Um the thing that really <laughs> caught me off guard is in Void Rivals number one, there is a cameo <laughs> that is very out of place. And I went, What? What just happened? Um, because Image owns the rights to it now, or it was right up against probably violating something. But I was like, wait, that was the pro- what? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, go ahead and read that for that one. You're welcome. Uh, Iron Man number six um, says, or he says, Ben is just spot on with his new run. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, Ultimate Invasion number one. And evil Reed Richards uh, going to destroy the whole world with weird art. <laughs> um, so there's that. Spider-Verse number three, uh, who is you know still learning about the new Spider-Boy. Um, feels sweet. Um, yeah. That's just the essentials you want me to point out. So, you know, if something we, you know, we pointed out ours, if none of that clicked, try Todd's list too. So... Yeah, there you go. So now you've got lots of stuff to talk about. So congrats and enjoy. But that's going to do it for us here at The Pull List. Um, episode 88 is now in the books and now in your ears and your wonderful eyeballs as we continue our stand over at YouTube. The YouTubes. Y- you were going to say something? Okay. Just making faces. I don't believe you. Okay, making faces. <laughs> okay. It's true. Uh, we're, we are there on the YouTube, so don't miss that. You get to see the face that Hector just, just made. Um, but we couldn't possibly do this alone. We do this with a boatload of other podcasts uh, over on the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network. And stay tuned. You'll see new stuff from Faith and Fandom and Hector, that guy on the other side right there, really soon on the network. So if you don't get enough Hector here, you are going to get so much Hector, you don't know what to do with Hector. Hector is doing all the things to all the places, to all the people. And yeah, but now you can get it all in one place on the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network, which you can hit up at lovethynerd.com. Learn about who all of us wonderful mugs are previous episodes find yourself a new show like hector's faith and fandom when when's that start tell the people i think the first episode premieres uh august 14th okay so very soon so keep an eye out you get that but hector and i do want to thank each of you for choosing us as your primary comic book factory on a near weekly basis so don't leave us hanging rate review the show on all of your podcasting apps of choice we're on the itunes spotify stitcher radio probably other places who knows the internet's a magical place we're in the newspaper (laughs) you can find us under classifieds um it's really hard to listen to us there but we're there so thanks for listening and remember kids read more comics i'm gonna take all seven continents